Hey, hi everyone. Welcome. Um, we're here talking. Uh, we're here for our uh, weekly or semi-weekly. Uh, is it semi-weekly or bi-weekly? I think it's semi-weekly. Semi-weekly episode of intermission. Um, today we're we're not doing a list. Today we're we're gonna talk about somebody who's very very prominent in pop culture and in film history. And that is Audrey. It's me. We're talking about me, guys. Just kidding. We're not talking about me, Audrey. We're talking about Audrey Hepburn, the one and the only. Do you feel the burn? Do you got the Hepburn? No. <laughs> uh, to clarify, I was not named after Audrey Hepburn. I wish I was, but I was not. Audrey Hepburn is actually a really fascinating person because... She has such an incredible life, and I'm so excited to talk about her today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you think about... Um, she's known for her her talent on, on screen, but... Um, her little petite figure, you know, her her big pretty eyes and her her really good fashion sense. Um, oh yeah. But there's a lot to this girl that um, a really complex person. And as as I was reading um, the research stuff, I was like, wow, this is stuff I didn't even know. So Audrey, um, ha- let's let's have you kick it off today. Sure. Yeah. So we'll start. Of course, at the beginning of Audrey's life. Um, So Audrey comes from Dutch, British, and Austrian backgrounds. Her mother was Baroness Ella van Heemstra, who was the daughter of the mayor of Arnhem and the governor of Dutch Suriname. I know that's all very important to remember. It's not. It it looks like Dutch surname. (laughs) Suriname. Uh, but her mother, Ella, had been married prior to, uh, before she was married to Audrey's father, she was married to <clears throat> Jungir Hendrik Gustav Adolf Karls von Ulfort. Wow. He was definitely, like, German or Austrian. Uh, so from this marriage, Ella had two sons, uh, Audrey's half older half-brothers. Uh, I don't know if it's pronounced Jungir or Jungir. Arnaud and Yonkir Ian. They have longer names, but it's just too much. We'll call them Arnie and Ian. They <sighs> don't really come back that much. Yeah. Uh, but Ella and uh, Hendrik divorced in 1925. So Audrey's father was Ella's second husband, who has a much easier name, Joseph Victor Anthony Rustin, a British subject born in Austria, Hungary. He had also been previously married but his last name Hepburn uh, actually comes from the fact that he believed himself to be descended from James Hepburn, who was the third husband of Mary, Queen of Scots. He actually was not, but he still double-barreled his last name to Hepburn Rustin in order to sound more aristocratic to appease his wealthy aristocratic wife. Um, so basically, the last name Hepburn is a complete lie, but it sounds cool. So we'll just go with that. So from this marriage, Audrey was born on May 4, 1929 in Brussels, Belgium. She was known to her family as, again, I'm going to butcher this, Adriancha. Sounds right. Her early life was described as pretty sheltered and privileged. Um, after all, her, her mother was very wealthy. Um, but she did learn six languages throughout her multinational childhood. She did move around quite a bit when she was young. 
Until 1935, when her father abruptly left the family. She was only six years old. She considered this one of the most traumatic events of her life. Um, he left for London to become more deeply involved in fascist activity at the time. Um, but her mother moved the family to her to her family's estate in Arnhem. And then Audrey was sent to live in Kent, England to go to school. So they went from, uh, I think, Belgium to the Netherlands. And then she went to England. Yeah, she, um, not everyone realizes it, but she was actually a, a ballet dancer early in her life. Mm-hmm. She took it at a young age. Um, and during the war, uh, she used a different name while living in the Netherlands because um, English sounding names were considered dangerous in, in German occupied uh, territories. Yeah, you know, the Germans and the British weren't necessarily friends. Audrey actually had a lot of uh, deep seated trauma during the, the, the Second World War. Yeah. Um, her uncle was executed during the occupation. Her half brother, Ian, was deported to a labor camp in Berlin. And her other half brother, Alex, um, uh, went into hiding to avoid uh, being sent to labor camps as well. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what Audrey had to say about this time. Uh, we saw young men put against the wall and shot, and they'd close the street and then open it, and you could pass by again. Don't discount anything awful you hear read about the Nazis. It's worse than you could ever imagine. Wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, in her own little way, she helped out with the Dutch, Dutch resistance efforts. She performed silent dance performances to raise money, and then um, it was actually thought for a while that she was actively part of the Dutch resistance, but there, uh, there's never been enough evidence to back that up. Other than other than these concerts, and kind of providing food and messages to downed Allied flyers, and um, she even volunteered as a nurse um, when she was a young child, when younger child. Um, unfortunately, she did see uh, lots of Dutch Jews being transported to concentration camps, and at this point, she's only fifteen. I mean, so this is really, really harrowing stuff for for a young child. Yeah, and, I can't even imagine. Oh, for sure, and like living conditions um, were so bad. Because Germans would block supply routes for food. And at one point, I said at one point, her family actually was grinding tulip bulbs to make bread to eat. Oh, boy. And um, during this time, because of malnourishment, um, Audrey kind of suffered these lifelong effects, including um, acute anemia and respiratory problems. Mm-hmm. And she was a smoker, uh, which we'll talk about later, but she was a smoker, too. So that definitely... Well, um, that doesn't help anything. Nope. But when the war when the war ended, Audrey moved with her mother and siblings to Amsterdam, where she was able to begin ballet training with a leading Dutch ballet figure, and she made her film debut as well as an air stewardess in a movie called Dutch in Seven Lessons. It's an eighty minute educational travel film, and the only reason it's remembered is because she was in it, and that's it. <sighs> she moved to London after that, after accepting a ballet scholarship. And she supported herself with part-time work as a model. At this time, she dropped Rustin from her surname. So now she's officially Audrey Hepburn. However, she had two weeks of a constitution to make the status of a prima ballerina, even though she was a very talented dancer. Her height was also a factor. Uh, Audrey was five foot seven, which I'm not sure if that was too tall or too short to be a prima ballerina. I did some research and I could not figure it out. She was too thin as well for her for her height. Um, oh, yeah. She was very thin throughout her life because of her malnutrition. Mm. 
So I wasn't sure about that. If anybody knows, you can tell me. Uh, how tall or how short is too tall or short to be a ballerina? <laughs> Things Audrey asks about Audrey. Uh, she also did some some chorus girl and minor roles in stage reviews. Uh, these were high button shoes, sauce tatar, and sauce piquant, where she was discovered by a casting director. And so her earliest roles in film were in One Wild Oat, Laughter in Paradise, Young Wives Tale, and The Lavender Hill Mob. These were all in 1951. But her first major supporting role was in The Secret People, where she did all of her own dance sequences. But her big break was in the title role in the Broadway play Gigi. Right before this, she was training as a dental assistant, um, and she required private coaching for this role. It opened on November 24, 1951, and she received praise for her performance from Life and the New York Times. Uh, for this role, she received a Theater World Award, and the show ran for 219 performances and then went on tour through 1953. So this was a big, big break for her. And then um, a little film came her way and kind of slingshotted her into the stratosphere. And that movie yes. is uh, Roman Holiday. Oh, I love that movie. That was her big break. She was playing Princess and opposite our, our man, G. Peck, Gregory Peck himself. Oh, love that guy. Um, William Wyler said about her, she had everything I was looking for, charm, innocence, talent. She was also very funny. She was absolutely enchanting, and we said, that's our girl. She received equal billing to Gregory Peck, which is pretty you know, impressive. Um, Gre Gregory Peck suggested this because you've got to change that because she'll be a big star and I'll look like a big jerk. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> what a class act. Aww. Um, she unexpectedly won the Academy Award for Best Actress. And then she won a BAFTA Award um, for Best Actress in a Leading Role and then the Golden Globe for Best Actress. She cleaned up. She cleaned it up. Um, the New York Times critic A.H. Weiler described Hepburn the way she'd been known for decades. Audrey Hepburn, the British actress who is being starred for the first time as Princess Anne, is a slender, elephant, and wistful beauty. Alternate, alternately regal and childlike in her profound appreciation of newly found simple pleasures in love. After that, uh, she was signed uh, a seven-picture contract with Paramount, became a fashion icon after her 1953 feature in Time magazine. She was nominated again in 54 for her role in Sabrina and won a Tony for the same year uh, for her role in oh, is it Undine? Undine, okay. Undine. I, I guess. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. She received her Tony three days after she won her uh, Academy Award for Roman Holiday. Um, Shirley Booth and Ellen Burstyn are the only two actresses to ever achieve this feat. Um, but this also made Audrey an EGOT winner. Mm -hmm. And then Audrey found romance. She met her first husband, Mel Ferrer, on stage, and they married in 1954 in Switzerland. Life was looking great for Audrey. She nabbed a hot boy. She nabbed awards. She couldn't be stopped. She even nabbed JFK. They dated when he was a senator. That's pretty great. Uh, but during the time when JFK was shot, Audrey was the one who broke the bad news to the cast of My Fair Lady. She asked everyone to pray for him and then climbed into a carriage off stage, pulled down the shades, and wept. Um, and I mean, yeah, that was that was one of those where were you moments. Now that she had found her stride in film, she starred in a series of successful films such as War and Peace 
as Natasha alongside her boo, Mel. Then she danced along with Fred Astaire in Funny Face and starred opposite Gary Cooper in Love in the Afternoon. Her third Academy Award nomination came from her role as Sister Luke in The Nun Story, considered one of her most demanding roles to date. Uh, She really went method for it as well. Um, She did a lot of research into um, nuns and into living as a nun and that sort of thing. Uh, Then she smooched Anthony Perkins in Green Mansions, which was not well received. Um, She also appeared with Burt Lancaster in her only Western film, The Unforgiven. Uh, She actually broke her back after being thrown from her horse while filming a scene. And she also tragically suffered a miscarriage during that accident as well. Uh, She also had a terrible fear of water. She was in a movie called Two for the Road with Albert Finney. Uh, where she had to be thrown into a pool. Audrey was extremely scared of drowning. I don't blame her. So outside of the shot, part of the film crew was in the pool, ready to grab Audrey for her comfort if something were to happen. Uh, This was the only way that she could do the scene. Uh, But when you watch the scene, the fear that you see on her face is 100% genuine. Full-on method. She then landed her most iconic role, which was Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Capote hated it, but everyone else loved it. He did say that Audrey did a terrific job, though. She considers herself miscast for the film as Marilyn Monroe was supposed to have had the part, but her little black dress became a staple of the century. Uh, She also admitted uh, about playing the role, I'm an introvert. Playing the extroverted girl was the hardest thing I ever did. Um, She was actually one of two people to wear that Breakfast at Tiffany's necklace but diamonds weren't her favorite piece of jewelry. Uh, She had a few more minor successes and flops, including the Children's Hour, comic thriller Charade, where Cary Grant was again the perfect gentleman, because after Charade, Cary Grant said that all he wanted for Christmas was another picture with Audrey Hepburn. That's so cute. Um, After a not very good release of Paris When It Sizzles, uh, and a drama with William Holden, kind of an affair too, Uh, Hepburn's film My Fair Lady premiered in 1964. We'll talk more about that later. Later, like next week. (laughs) Throughout the 60s, Audrey continued to act in multiple genres, including How to Steal a Million, Two for the Road, and Wait Until Dark. The last of these were filmed on the brink of her divorce with Mel, uh, with her husband as the producer. It also garnered her her fifth and final competitive Academy Award. It's interesting to note too that Audrey, um, most of her leading co-stars were anywhere from twenty to thirty years older than she was. Yeah, um, so they could have all been like her dads. Gross. So Humphrey Bogart was twenty-nine years older than her in Sabrina. Fred Astaire, twenty-nine years older in Funny Face. Gary Cooper, twenty-seven years older in Love in the Afternoon. Cary Grant, twenty-five years older than Charade. And Rex Harrison, 21 years older in My Fair Lady. So it's really, really um, indicative of that time frame, too. I'd be curious to see yeah. how many other, other actresses are up against much older uh, leaders. Um, in later years, Audrey kind of uh, put the brakes on acting, not as much in the late 60s. She wanted to be more devoted to her family. She appeared in with Sean Connery and Robin and Marion, which was moderately successful. Um, she also was in a box office failure called Bloodline. Um, another flop she had was was They All Laughed, and there was a made-for-television movie, uh, Caper, called Love Among Themes. 
Her last motion picture role was a cameo appearance as, uh, as an angel in uh, Steel, uh, Spielberg's Always. She hosted a PBS documentary series called Gardens of the World with Audrey Hepburn. Um, she that actually was like she, the most soothing thing ever, by the way. She loved gardening um, to a crazy degree. In fact, there's actually a breed of tulip, daylily, and rose that are all named after her. Oh, I think they're called the Hepburn flowers. Oh, I yeah. She also recorded Audrey Hepburn's Enchanted Tales. Uh, both of these projects garnered her uh, posthumous uh, awards, Outstanding Individual Achievement Emmy, and the Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album for Children. So that's probably where she got the EGOT. So I might have jumped the gun yeah. there earlier. Um, in her later years, Audrey did a lot of humanitarian work and was actually a Goodwill Ambassador for UNICEF. She traveled to Ethiopia in 88 on a, a field mission with them, and um, she got really impacted by the trip because of what was going on. And she actually went to join them in Turkey, South America, Central America, Sudan, Vietnam, Somalia, and even more. She was incredibly empathetic toward those living in war, poverty, and famine, obviously because of what she went through as a child and was really passionate about humanitarian aid. Um, she was recognized for her work um, by uh, George George Bush Sr. And um, he presented her with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And in 2002, UNICEF unveiled a statue called the Spirit of Audrey at their New York headquarters. I love that. That's so cool. Uh, speaking of love, Mel wasn't Audrey's only boo. She was also engaged to James Hansen in 1952 but said the marriage wouldn't work because the demands of their careers would keep them apart most of the time. She said, when I get married, I want to be really married. She also dated future hair producer Michael Butler in the 1950s. Um, she married Mel Ferrer only eight months after meeting him. Before having her son Sean Hepburn Ferrer, Audrey had two miscarriages, one, as I said before, from falling off a horse during The Unforgiven, um, after the birth of Sean, she had two more miscarriages, um, but Audrey often defended her husband, who is often said to be controlling and have a bad temper. However, they did divorce after 14 years of marriage. Audrey married her second husband, Andrea Dotti, after meeting him on a cruise with friends in 1968. They also had a son named Luca Andrea Dotti. She wanted a third child, but she suffered another miscarriage in 1974, so in total, she had five miscarriages, which is really tragic. Her husband was unfaithful to her, so she had a little fling of her own with actor Ben Gazzara while filming Bloodline. Uh, her marriage with Andrea lasted 13 years. In her later years, she dated Dutch actor Robert Wolders, the widower of actress Merle Oberon. Uh, she said those nine years that she spent with him were the happiest years of her life, which, are, which is really cute to me. Yeah, she um she really just wanted happiness and that's Yeah, and that's what she deserved after everything she went through. Yeah, unfortunately, um she developed abdominal cancer in late uh, 1992 and then which had metastasized. Um she was able to spend that Christmas with her family but then died January 20th, 1993 in her sleep. Um, she was only 63, which is w way too young. Um, uh -huh. Like I said before, you know, she, I'm sure the fact that she was a smoker didn't really help at all. She um, had, was known to smoke three packs a day, which is. She also loves spaghetti, which is neither here nor there. <laughs> she had like an amazing spaghetti recipe or something. I wonder if we can find that. I want to. 
Um, after her death, Gregory Peck went on camera and tearfully recited her favorite poem, Unending Love. Uh, she's buried in the, the Tol- Toloshinaz sure. cemetery in Switzerland. <laughs> um, both of her ex-husbands attended her funeral. Um, once once uh, she was asked, you know, summing up her life, she said, how shall I sum up my life? I think I've been particularly lucky. Hmm. Um, what's cool, though, is uh, she she was a style icon and her ideal seemed more attainable to women. Um, not the curvy and sensual like looks of Grace Kelly or Elizabeth Taylor, but she was more of a girl next door with some class. Mm-hmm. She wore really simple, minimalistic clothes when she was not in the spotlight. She had big feet, um, and she actually preferred wearing flats over heels. Yeah, I'm right there with you, girl. <laughs> um, ironically, though, she never thought of herself as a style icon. She once said, I never think of myself as an icon. What is in other people's minds is not in my mind. I just do my thing. And God, I, I, I love her, her humility. Like she just, it, she's so pure in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was an icon. I mean, little black dresses, a pixie cut, big sunglasses. Um, but she did hate wearing watches. That's worth noting. She hated the cold, the, the feel of cold metal on her skin, or yeah, raw metal. Um, she did take pride in her appearance, though. She uh, there's uh, said that her and her makeup artist would separate her eyelashes out with a pin. Oh. After applying coats of mascara. No. I mean, that's It takes insane. me like three seconds to put my mascara on in the morning, and that is all the time I'm taking for it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, but, God, she was just so cool. Like She really was, and she, even beyond her career as an actress, she, she did so much. A good person, a good actress, that's, I hate to say, but it feels kind of like that's more of a rarity nowadays. Like, I feel... I feel like being granted. I think being a celebrity is political in general, but I feel like the celebrity of of actors is really heavy right now. So yeah, it's more just on. I don't know their their platform instead of their. You know, if they actually are doing anything worth talking about, or if they're just you know. Granted, I, I didn't going live to remote islands and having parties in the middle of a pandemic in my head maybe for me it feels like there've always been political celebrities but maybe they're just more maybe 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 they're being listened to more so now than they were in the past like yeah we have more opportunities to listen to them but yeah what's what's your favorite audrey hepburn movie um i think my favorite audrey hepburn movie is roman holiday because she's just so cute in that movie and she's just a natural even from the very start um, I really loved Charade, Charade, Charade. I say Charade like a like Charade, a, a Charade. Yeah, and Charade. It's so good. Charade. I, that was one of the first movies I ever really saw her in. That was something I watched like on my own, and so I, I've always enjoyed it. But that is our recap of the life and times and loves and legacy and looks of Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for tuning in this week. We're going to be talking about Audrey some more next week and. Um, my fair lady. So uh, we will talk to you then. Yes, we will. Goodbye, everyone.